Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. Cool. Thank you so much, Tim. Um, yeah, that was like a better intro than I could have given myself, pretty much. So I think I'm just going to jump straight into the sermon. Uh, my name's TJ. That's pretty much what I've got to say by way of an intro. And I just hope that you're really blessed by this sermon. Um, also, I wanted to say big thanks to Beth and Rosie for the way that you led worship just then. Um, I was singing away with my microphone on mute because uh, I really didn't want anyone to hear my dulcet tones, but worship was really, really incredible. Um, and so fitting, because I'm going to be speaking about worship and what true worship is. So um, if you've got your Bibles, could you turn with me to the book of John, uh, chapter 4? John, chapter 4. Um, and this is a famous story that we have here, where Jesus is talking to a woman from Samaria. Um, so I'm going to read two verses. I'm going to read verse 20, from verse 23. It says, but the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship must worship in spirit and truth. I'm just going to pray. Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you that we're here to give you glory. I thank you that we're here in your presence, Lord God. I thank you, Lord, for the gift of this technology where we can be so many hundreds of miles away from each other, but still able to connect and speak about you together, Lord God. And I pray, Father, over these next 20 or so minutes, Lord God, over the course of the rest of the service, Lord God, I pray that you'll get all the glory, Father, and that hearts will be changed, Lord God, and that sanctification will happen, Lord God. In this place today, we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. So, um, yeah, as I said, today I want to talk a little bit about worship and what true worship is. Um, I myself, like to mention, I, I, I play the bass guitar, I'm in a band, I've been, I grew up playing in church, um, playing in worship bands from a very young age, when I was about 11 years old, I think it was, I started playing in church, and I've been in and around worship ever since then, like heavily involved in worship ever since then. So I, I guess I grew up seeing different ways that people express themselves in worship. And not only that from a church kind of point of view, but also I'm a Nigerian. I'm a Nigerian man, which means kind of along with that comes a lot of expression, a lot of noise and a certain way of worshipping. So um, at times when I would go to certain celebrations, weddings and things like that and parties, you would have sections and times of worshipping. And it was so vibrant, so exuberant, a lot of dancing and things like that, which was slightly different from, say, the worship times I experienced at the Church of England primary school that I went to. Um, some of you may have gone to church of England primary schools and you'll remember during assembly times you would have to sing certain songs and do the actions with it like he's got the whole in his hands, he's got the... I know people are surely doing the actions along with me at home. Um, those were the kind of things that we used to do for worship in primary school. So it's kind of like I had different experiences of worship and I saw different things happening during worship. Even if I think about New Day, for example, um, I, I preached at New Day last year and I've been going to New Day for most of my life and New Day was an experience the first time I went because I saw different people expressing worship and their gratitude and glory towards God 
in very different ways. I mean, I, I saw people shaking whilst they were singing. I saw people jumping and screaming. And I feel like every church kind of has that one person that's just like always at level 100 and dancing in the hours and shouting and singing, regardless of how well they dance or sing. And then there were also people there that were really still. Like, as in, it could be like the fast songs that we're doing, the praise songs, and the people will just still be in that place, really deep in consideration and thought. Even we just heard now, Tim talking about uh, being in quarantine and being on lockdown has changed the way in which a lot of us worship. Now, like Tim said, he, he's deep in concentration. His wife is singing very loud. Me, I'll sing really loud right now, but sometimes when I'm with my parents, I, and younger ones, you might understand, it gets a little bit awkward sometimes because I'm thinking, oh, I don't want to sing this loud. And I've got neighbors and stuff like that. Worship, we see, has different manifestations and different expressions. But the question I want to ask today is really, what is true worship? What really is true worship? And I'll, to do that, I want to answer three questions. The, the what, the why, and the how of worship. And I'm going to try and go through this kind of quickly. But if you're taking notes, the first point for you there is, what is worship? What is worship? And to answer this question, I, I guess I want to talk about what worship is not first. The things that worship isn't, just do a little bit of myth busting. Um, first up, worship is not just a routine or a tradition. Worship is not just a routine or a tradition. You see, Sometimes what I, how it used to happen for me is, especially when I was playing in the band, is I would feel like worship is something that gets done on a Sunday. It's kind of like the prerequisite, the, the, the preception to the preach. It always comes before the preach, and you might get a song after the preach, and it happens on Sundays. And it was almost like routine or tradition that on Sundays, what do we do? We sing three or four songs in worship at church, a couple fast and a couple more effective and slow. And I was routinely just playing in the band. And it's even more um, apparent when you really know the songs quite well. Because there's certain times when I'll get to the end of a worship time and I'll, I'll almost think, wow, I really kind of subconsciously sung my way through the whole worship set. I can't necessarily tell you what song was sung at what point because I was subconsciously meandering my way through a worship set. You see, that happens when worship becomes merely tradition or routine. And that's what can happen, but it's not that. You see, worship isn't even just singing. Worship is not just singing. You see, something scary that someone told me is, you could have been in church your whole life and sung all your songs and not have worshipped once. Kind of suggesting that there is a difference between just singing and, and worship. You see, worship is something from the inside, from the heart and it manifests itself in singing and worshiping, sometimes raising your hands, sometimes dancing, but really and truly, it's not something primarily external. Worship is something that's primarily internal and from one's heart. So what is worship? Worship is not just routine or tradition. Number two, worship is not about you. Worship is not about you. Shock horror. Um, I used to think it was about me for a really long time, to be honest. And obviously, unless you're a, a, a huge narcissist, you're not, you're not going to believe worship is about you overtly. But I'm talking about, for me, it was very subtle. It was the kind of going to church and hoping that certain songs are played because they're the songs that I like. Or hoping that certain singers are the ones that are leading us in worship because they're the ones that can actually sing. 
or this is the one that used to get me. I used to go into worship times with the mentality of what can I get out of this? What's God going to do for me during this worship time? How's God going to bless me during this worship time? And you see, it's so covert, but it's, it's turning worship from something that is primarily and unbelievably and completely about him who sits on the throne and made it kind of a little bit about me as well. You see, the mentality of what can I get out of this worship time is, is a foreign concept to the Bible. But it's something that ends up seeping its way into our lives quite often. And we'll end up saying things like, oh, I just wasn't feeling it today. I just wasn't, I, you know, I just wasn't quite feeling the worship today. It just didn't quite hit me today. And therefore, sometimes we can avoid the, completely avoid the worship time based on how we feel coming out of it. Whereas that's contrary to what I read in the Psalms. You see, Psalm 100 verse 4, is, it says, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. You see, a lot of us read that as I will exit his course with praise. I'll go in with whatever baggage that I had, but I'm going to exit feeling great because that's what worship is for, for me to feel great. Whereas that's not what it says. It says I will enter. So you see, it's easy to me, for me to say that you should come and worship and make it completely not about you and not about your situation and make it completely about God. And, you know, it's about, it, regardless of your feelings, it's, it's easy to say. The reality is, however, that Sometimes we have things that we're dealing with and sometimes we have things that are weighing us down. Sometimes we have things that are stopping us from raising our hands in the way that we quite want to or singing as loud as we quite want to. And to that I'll say, worship was never necessarily going to be an easy thing. That's why you've heard the phrase of sacrifice of praise. Sometimes we're going to have to sacrifice in order to truly be a worshiper. You see, it's like when Job said, though you slay me, yet will I hope in you. It's like sometimes I've been in church and sometimes there's been big burdens and big situations going on. But worship is a time where you decide I'm going to not lean on what I know, but lean on him. Lean on his love, lean on his peace. Lean on the, you see the lyrics of the song that are so beautifully woven together talking about who he is. That though I may be in bondage, who the sun sets free is free indeed. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. That's what worship is. Worship is not just routine or tradition. Worship is not about you, but it's about him. And lastly, worship is not just singing. This is something that we hear a lot. It's, a, it's almost like one of those Christian cliches that we hear, that worship is not just about singing. Worship is a lifestyle. See, music and singing is very much like a vehicle for worship. God used it for worship, but the mere act of singing, God-themed songs, is not the extent or the essence of worship. Worship is to be something from the heart, transformation from the heart that manifests itself in many ways, one of which we tend to do corporately on whatever day of the week when we worship together. So that's what worship is not. So I guess the question is, what, what is worship? I know you're dying, Becky and TJ, please tell us what worship is. That was a joke. Worship, if you're writing down, worship is to put God first that's that's what worship is worship is you putting god first you see that's the reason why people say a lot of the time that worship is a lifestyle a lifestyle of what a lifestyle of you constantly putting god first you see someone once explained it to me like this they said it was actually a teacher they said to me <laughs> they didn't realize they were, they, were, they were preaching to me but they said this to me they said tj would you be acting like that if your dad was right next to you 
and my aunts was no. See, I wasn't a terrible kid in school, but I used to act a fool sometimes. I used to misbehave. I used to talk back. I used to do all of that kind of stuff, right? And there was one time where I was misbehaving and a teacher said, TJ, would you be doing that if your dad was standing right next to you? And my response was, obviously not. Obviously, I wouldn't be acting like this. And he got me thinking, why wouldn't I be acting in the same way? Well, how would I be acting? I'll be a whole lot more polite. I'll be opening doors, pulling out chairs, and my language would have probably cleaned up a little bit. I wouldn't have gotten in any fights, and I definitely would not have been back to a teacher. Why? Because there was some authority next to me. There was someone that I wanted to impress, and someone that thought something of me right next to me. And that means that throughout the whole day, my behavior changed ever so slightly. There was a slight reverence for who was next to me if my dad was around me, or what was next to me the whole day that I was in school. Right? And I'm sure it would be the same for you. But then I got to thinking, how much different would it be if Jesus was right next to me the whole way through school, the whole way through the day? If he was standing right there, Jesus in the flesh, holes in his hands and everything, glowing. If Jesus himself was standing right next to me throughout the whole day, how would that affect my behavior? And I thought, the whole purpose and drive behind the day would be changed. Not just my behavior, not just the cosmetics of it, but the very core of that whole day, that whole time would be completely and utterly changed. So I might still go to school, but you see on that journey, I'm constantly in community and commune with him, trying to talk, Lord, oh, is there anything? Talk to me, talk to me. You're trying to learn more about him. You're the savior of the world. He's right next to me. I'm going to be having this conversation with God because I want to get to know him more. I'll be saying things to him like, you, oh, you're so worthy, you're so beautiful. There's no one that really met Jesus and wasn't awestruck by him. You see, that whole time throughout the day, I'll be worshipping him. <laughs> Even when I got to school, I'll be thinking, okay, maybe I'm talking to someone, maybe I'm talking to a new friend, and I'm thinking, how can I read Jesus into this conversation? How can I speak to someone about Jesus? How can I tell my teachers, Joe, do you not see who's right next to me? How can I put this in a conversation? The whole identity and purpose of that day would have been changed not just my behavior. And it got me thinking, when you're thinking of worship and you say worship is to put God first, it means that you are so reverent and sensitive to the fact that he is right there with you because he is. And it changes each fabric of your life, not just your day, your whole life. It changes everything on the inside of your heart. It means that you can no longer, or you don't, you do not longer go through the day doing what you want. You do what Christ wants you to. And you see, there's a song by a guy called um called Corey Ashbury called "Endless Hallelujah," and oh, I love this song. I love this song so much because it so beautifully describes what a life of putting God first looks like. It says, "In the morning when I rise to meet you, in the morning when." I think it says, when I open my eyes, you're the only one I want to cling to. You're the first thought on my mind. And then the second verse goes into the, in the moments when you go unnoticed, in the ordinary day-to-day, you're still the only one I want to cling to. And in the final verse, it talks about, in the evening when I lay my head down, in the evening when I close my eyes, you're still the only one I want to cling to. You're the last thought on my mind. So I'm just going to praise you. It's the beginning of the day, it's the middle of the day, it's the end of the day. You clearly see where God fits into someone's whole day and how God is the first thing, the last thing, and everything in between is someone's mind. That's what it means to put God first. But like you, I live in a city, slightly bigger city, not to brag, but we live in cities. We know how city life is. Sometimes what does a typical day look like? It looks like waking up at 
very early hour. It will look like getting the kids ready for school. It will look like you maybe grabbing some breakfast if you're lucky, running for the train just about making it, getting to work, doing your work, calls, 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 all of this. You get back home, you make dinner, you tuck the kids into bed, you'll, you'll maybe get about half an hour or an hour of recreational time and they go to bed and it's like, right, gosh, where was God in that whole day? It can happen so easily. Yes, worship is... Singing is a part of worship, but worship in its essence is to put God first. And that means that when you wake up, it's actively seeking him. It's in the day-to-day life, actively believing that he's around me. He's sent me on a mission. He's, he's commissioned me to go and make disciples of all nations. How can I exude the fruits of the Spirit in every single moment and every single iota of this whole day? That's what a true worshiper is, someone who puts God first. And, you know, I won't go into detail just because of time, but a great example of this is in Genesis chapter 22. Here we have the story of Abraham and Isaac, which it's one of those stories where you, you, you start reading it and you think, what? It's a story of a man named Abraham. He's waited all this time, 100 years or so for a son, and finally a son comes along. A man, a boy named Isaac, and he grows up, and some years later, God says to him, Abraham, and Abraham says, yes, Lord, I'm here. And God says, take your son, your one and only son, and take him up to the mountain and sacrifice him. What? The one thing that you love most in this world, this one and only son that you have, take him up to the mountain and sacrifice him is what God says. And again, I won't go too, into too much detail, but you have this picture of a man, Abraham, going on this three-day journey with the thing that he loves most in the whole world, this boy that he waited a hundred years for. And he goes up, before he goes on the mountain, he turns to the young men that are around him and he says to them in verse 5, he says, wait here, me and the boy will go up to the mountain to worship. You see, it's the first time that the word worship is used in the Bible. You might be thinking, no, 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 Abraham's going up to sacrifice his son. And he says, no, no, we're going up to worship. Why? Because Abraham understood that worship is a sacrifice. <laughs> it's putting him first. It's putting the things of God before the things that you feel. It's putting him before your feelings. And the way that the story ends is, is a good way because God saves him, saves Isaac, and there's redemption there. But it shows the faith that Abraham had to go and worship. That's what it means to put God first. So a slight question I'd ask is, what is number one in your life? What's that thing that might be compromising you from giving undefiled, untouched worship, undignified worship to him, the King of Kings, that is Jesus? That's what is worship. I think I've got a few minutes left, so I just want to hit really quickly the why do we worship and how to worship. And I hope everyone's still with me. Why do we worship? You see, I'm a musician, right? And... I can tell you, music is very powerful. Music is very powerful. Like, just the right chord at the right time can change a person's whole mood. If you just play the dynamics correctly, you can take a crowd on a whole journey for an hour or two hours. There's some songs that I listen to where I could be in a great mood and suddenly this song makes me emotional. Yes, there's, there's times where I could be in a terrible mood. I can feel it like clouds are clouding around me and I listen to, I don't know, a song by Stevie Wonder and suddenly it's like my whole mood has been lifted and I'm dancing. You see, music has the power. Music is a very powerful thing. It's able to shift and transition our mood. And I see music as a gift. Music is a gift from God. 
God didn't have to make us beings that are able to detect tone and pitch and dynamics. He could have made us all monotone beings. But no, he made this thing called music, which seems to have such an affinity with our songs. And what was his purpose with music? It's to glorify God. That's the reason we were created, to glorify God. So when it comes to singing in worship, why do we worship? Music is a vehicle. Singing is a vehicle that we use to bring glory and honor to God. It's a way of us manifesting, us putting God first in our lives. Why do we worship? Number one here, it's a command. Psalm 150 says, let everything that has breath praise him. And I would like to suggest to you that the psalmist was not merely making a suggestion. I believe that the psalmist was interpreting the command that God has our very being, our very the very reason that we were created was to give glory to God, God and bring glory to God. And that's why it says, let everything that has breath praise him. We're commanded to praise God. All over the Psalms, we see this. All over the Bible, we see this. It's the very reason that we were created, to have communion with him. Number one, it's a command. Number two, the reason that we, the reason that we worship is to refocus. Worship helps us to remember. It helps us to reestablish him as our authority in our life. It, it, it's, a, it's a way of us giving him all the glory and placing him in his rightful place as king over our whole lives, as king over our whole hearts. Worship is a time where we can regurgitate truth back to God. Where we can say things like how deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure. He, he knows that, but we're regurgitating it. Why? Because it has a way of reminding our souls who it is that we serve. It has a way of reminding us of the sound doctrine and the truth that comes from the words of him, the Bible that is breathed out by God. That is why we worship. Because see, sometimes, I don't know about you, but sometimes life situations can make God seem smaller than he is. Like, I mean, the whole world right now is, is such, a, such a strange and turbulent time that if you focus on your situation, you can, God in your mind can start to shrink. You can start to think, oh my God, this problem is so big right here. But you see, when you come to church or when you're in your shower or when you've just woken up and you start singing the truth about who he is, it has a way of putting a fire on the inside of your soul. When you say that my God is awesome, he can move mountains, he leads me through the valley and hides me from the rain. When you sing a song like that, oh, it's difficult for your soul to stay scared. It's difficult for your soul to stay focused the problem down here. Worship has a way of refocusing us away from our problems, away from situations, away from the things that take us away and create space between us and God and refocuses us onto the majesty of Jesus Christ who's on this throne. Why do we worship? It helps us to refocus. I'm going to skip ahead here. Lost track of time. What is worship? It's to put God first. Why do we worship? It's a command, it helps us to refocus. We're just out here giving glory to God. It's what we're created to do. And lastly, how do we worship? See the verse that I read at the start, it was Jesus talking to this Samaritan woman and he says, the time is coming and the time is now where true worshipers will worship in spirit and in truth. The Lord is requiring such people. You see, what does it mean to worship in spirit? Worshiping spirit means that we're not worshiping from a place of mechanism. We're not worshiping from a place of ritual, but we're worshiping from a place of, from a change of heart. From where our heart was going in one direction and then it gets turned. We turn and it gets turned. 
by Jesus Christ, to the things of him, to the things that he loves. That's repentance. And when our hearts have been turned and changed, you see, it's that the Holy Spirit helps us to worship from a place where it's not just in our heads, but it comes from our hearts. That's why it's important. Invite the Holy Spirit when it comes to worship time. Say, Lord, help me to see you during this time. Help me to exude the fruits of the Spirit in my everyday life, in the morning, in the middle of the day, and in the evening. Let my whole being be about worship. Why? Because my heart has changed towards you. It's changed for you. That's what worship is, to worship in spirit. And suddenly, as you start inviting the spirit, as you start to walk in this, and as you start to try and lead a life of putting God first, you'll start to see joy, peace, happiness, <laughs> godliness, goodness, self-control, patience, just start to exude from you. And worshiping in truth is the last one for you. What does it mean to worship in truth? It just means that your fuel for worship isn't just from your heart, but it's also <laughs> from your head as well. And you see, you get this from reading the eternal word of Jesus Christ. There is no substitute for this. So Timothy, all scriptures breathed out by God. And as you read his words, as you start to eat from his words, the daily bread, you start to eat it. The truth about who God is starts to be implemented in your soul and in your heart. It means that when you start singing lyrics like, who the sun sets free is free indeed. It means it, it means something not only in your heart, but you know it because it's what God said and God is not a man that he should lie. You see, worshiping in spirit and worshiping in truth, not either or. You worship in spirit, that's a change of heart. You worship in truth, that's a change of mindset. I will end with one verse. I know I'm out of time. But in Romans chapter 12, and verse, verse one, it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, to, by the mercies of our God, to present your bodies as living sacrifice, as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That is testing. You may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. You see, brothers and sisters, worship is not just singing worship is not just something that we do on sundays worship is not just a routine but worship is a whole lifestyle of putting god first and it's a sacrifice and when we do that this is our spiritual worship by the renewing of our mind by the power of the lord jesus christ i'm just going to pray heavenly father thank you that you are worthy to be praised. You are worthy of all of our praise. And even if we praised you from the moment we're born all the way till the time that we pass away, Lord God, it would not have been enough, Lord God, because you are that worthy. You are that glorious, Lord God. And I just pray that you help each and every one of us to be people that lead lives of putting you first. Putting you before our reputation, before our success, before our gifting, before our talents, Lord God. We put you first and above everything. In your name we pray, Father. Amen. Amen. Thank you.